Sufferings, it's your boy Barney Bent here to introduce this episode of Rabbit Hole Recap. Matt and I just had an incredible hour and a half rip. I think you guys are really going to like it. I think you guys are really like our good friends at Unchained Capital. I think you're going to like them because they're helping Bitcoiners by providing financial services for Bitcoin users with a security-first mindset. And they really show this with their products. First, they have their Vault product, which allows you to engage in a two or three multi-sig quorum with Unchained in which you hold two or three keys. Uh, you can use a Trezor or a Ledger, soon to be a cold card as well, uh, to create two keys that you control at all times. So you can always move your UTXOs in and out of the vault without the need. You can always move them in the vault without the need of anybody's help. You can just send it to any vault, let alone your own. But if you need to move the UTXOs out of the vault, you can do so by yourself without the help of Unchained. But if you only have one key at hand and you need Unchained to sign that second of three uh, to move the UTXO out of the vault. They are there to do that for you. On top of that, they have their Bitcoin collateralized uh, loan product in which you put Bitcoin up as collateral and you're able to get same day US dollar liquidity. As long as you're uh, keeping your Bitcoin margin in check and paying back that loan, you do not have to sell your Bitcoin. This is tax beneficial and allows you to uh, keep your Bitcoin. Friends don't let friends sell Bitcoin. On top of that, they're rolling out their OTC desk, which is available in Texas, and one other state at the moment, I can't, maybe more states at the moment, I can't recall off the top of my head, um, but they're uh, rolling that product out as well. And that's going to roll into a full suite of uh, exchange to custody. So you're going to be able to uh, buy Bitcoin in bulk via Unchained, send it right to uh, a multi-sig address which you uh, have full control over on top of that they're doing amazing stuff in regards to open source projects they've open source the uh, multi-sig wallet constructor behind their vault program uh, via caravan and caravan's getting better and better by the day uh, on top of that they've they're contributing to uh, protocols like hermit and slip 39 which help uh, bitcoin or self-sovereignty and uh, granularity with the movement of UTXOs and multi-sig quorums. And they have their incredible blog series, Parker Lewis, putting out great orange pill material with gradually then suddenly Drew Bunsall doing so with his HODL waves content and um, and uh, Bitcoin sci-fi works, talking about Bitcoin space, center of hash. Uh, Buck Presley is also doing some incredible work on the content side with something great about how Lightning could be used LSAT particularly for a anonymous tracking service over the Lightning Network if you did want to do COVID tracking. Not that I'm a fan of it, but it's a pretty cool uh, thought experiment Buck explained there. So go to www.unchained-capital.com to check all this out. That's www.unchained-capital.com to check this out. This episode is also brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. All right, I think you freaks may know about them, but if you don't know about them, let me tell you about them. They're working hard for Bitcoiners, helping you stack sats, send sats, receive sats, and sell sats if you so please. And they're making sats a standard. We're not buying fractions of a Bitcoin. You're stacking whole sats, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of sats via the Cash App. And did you know that a Doge is worth 50 sats? It's very expensive for one Dogecoin. Apparently those freaks on TikTok are pumping Doge and they really have a bad unit bias. It's, it's expensive when priced in sats. 50 sats is a lot. Uh, make sats a standard on the Cash App. On top of that, they have Cash App investing. If you're into stonks, not that I am, but I know some of you freaks are into stonks, uh, 
you can use Cash App Investing to stack slivers of stonks. You don't need to buy a whole stonk. If it's too expensive, you can buy as little as $1 via Cash App Investing. Because this is all connected to your bank account, there's no four to five day waiting periods. You can start stacking sats and slivers of stonks today. Cash App Investing is a subsidiary square, a member SIPC. And guess what? Cash App may be your bank account soon, if it isn't already. It is for many people out there. Uh, but they're offering account number and routing numbers for individuals who want to direct deposit checks into the Cash App. New bank with better tech. Um, as always, use the code STACKINGSATS. That's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. When you download the app, you're going to get $10. And $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. Here we go. We got a good hoot, this one. Owls Lacrosse. Not that dirtbag Al started his own podcast. Owls Lacrosse. Enjoy this rip. Check out the Cash App. Check out Unchained. And just love one another. You know what? We need more love in the world. Exude love wherever you go. Good love, not cheesy love. Good love. Take care. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Recap. It's almost 2 p.m. on a Thursday. Matt's pouring himself some Oban. Uh, you know what? Do you have uh, Clark Moody's dashboard up? No, I thought you did. Didn't you tell me you were doing it? I have it up. I have it up. But seeing you pour that whisk me, whisk me, whiskey makes me want to go get a glass. Um, I can I can I can walk the freaks through it. Okay, let's do this. I mean, we had a little price dump. I'm gonna go get what's up, freaks. Uh, some Blant. I'm gonna get some Blantons, and uh, and a glass. I'm happy you're joining me. Okay, freaks. The current price is nine thousand two hundred six dollars. Sats per dollar. That's ten thousand eight hundred sixty two sats for each dollar you can get. With the recent pump in Doge, you can get 50 sats for every Doge. Doge is expensive. Sats are cheap. The GBTC premium is 17% right now. That's like the boomer normies. Shows that there's interest there when we watch that premium. Current block height, 638491. Let's see, what else do we have here? Tor capacity on the Lightning Network is 441 Bitcoin. 444 Bitcoin, even more. Uh, that percent is 45%. I think that's a little bit higher than last week. I think we said it was 42% last week. Um, let's see, what else do we have? Um, the hash rate, 122 exahash. Difficulty retarget happens in 580 blocks. The mempool is currently sitting at 12,079. I'm going to pull up mempool.space real quick. 
Ah. Mempool.space is showing a median transaction fee of about 38 sats per byte right now. Obviously, if you lower your time preference, you can pay a lot less than that. Always pay two sats per byte if you want to get into a block before Catan, who says he only does one sat per byte. Uh, Samurai Whirlpool is currently sitting at 1,144 unspent Bitcoin. Um, presumably, those are sitting in the remix pool. Their current TX0 volume for the last 30 days is 398 Bitcoin. So a little bit less than what we've been seeing. Um, we are in the summer doldrum months. We shall see how that plays out. Use Whirlpool Freaks. It is... It is a summer doldrum months. Going over uh, some more uh, samurai hiccups and graphene hiccups for me. I had the, was in that initialized tour loop again and realized I had to fix the clock on my graphene phone. Um, had to do that manually, so be aware of that. Did you not have it set on auto? I, th- I was pretty sure I did. had it on auto East Coast time, but I had to... Maybe because I let it die. My phone died when I rebooted it. If it wasn't connected to the internet immediately. Because I don't have a SIM card for it. I'm just using the internet. Well, anyway, freaks, if you run into SSL errors, you know, where an HTTPS site isn't loading, or if you run into Tor errors, it could be your system clock. That's important for both those things. Yes. They got to align. Um... Another big week of updates. It's a long list. A lot going on here. What, um... I'm going to start with news, fresh news. Just announced this afternoon, Square Crypto. Giving out another grant to a good friend, Steve Myers, brother of Richard Myers. And this grant is so that Steve can focus on building a Bitcoin development kit, which is similar to the Lightning development kit that, uh the Square Crypto team is building out, uh, except that it's focused on, on Bitcoin wallets, and it would help uh, make the creation of mobile wallets particularly a lot easier to build from scratch, as uh, developers would have a development kit that uh, could be leveraged and, and used by many people um, to, to build Bitcoin functionalities into a mobile wallet, which is a pretty big deal. Square's been killing it with these grants. Love to see it. Uh, Steve is the twin brother of Richard Myers, who has been on the pod and the freaks know from Gotenna, um, who's been working on, on the mesh project over there, global mesh labs, uh, absolute boss, both of them. So this is definitely very well deserved. Uh, just a little story. When I met Steve, I met him at Bitcoin 2019 and he came up to me and his name tag was reversed. And he said to me, huge fan of the pod, and he introduced himself. And I like, I thought at first, I thought Richard was just playing fucking games with me. Because he never mentioned that he had a twin fucking bro- identical twin brother. Or maybe they, I think they told me they're not identical, but that's bullshit. They, they look very similar if they're not next to each other. I've never seen them next to each other. Yeah, I've never seen them in the same room either. Um, but they are uh, together. Richard and, Richard and Steve have... Uh, it built like a P2P Bitcoin exchange too. What's it called? Byte a bit. Is that what it's called? It's Byte a bit or. Um, 
think it was called was it bite a bit or is it like BTCACB or something like that? Um, I don't know why bite a bit came in my head. Let's check GitHub. Hopping on the GitHub. Uh, Hopping on the Twitter. I think it's bite a bit. I think I was correct. At bite a bit AB. They're located yes, in Sweden. Peer to peer Bitcoin exchange focused on security and privacy and non mobile devices. So shout out to Steve, shout out to Square Crypto, beast in these grants. Um, speaking of grants, had a great conversation with Randy Brito from the Lochamesh project. And I think it's a, a project very deserving of a grant. If any of you grant givers are listening to this episode right great now, episode. You can go check that episode with Randy, check out what they're building. We missed you. I was super we were, we were bummed. You had to bail on that one. I was super bummed. I'm glad that they're doing. They're offering a Tom Shoes model. Yes, they are. I would love to buy one, give one. You know, it's uh, and it's going to be much needed in uh, Venezuela. I don't even know if we have this on the list, but it just came out. I saw it in the Noble Bullshit Bitcoin Group. Uh, the Venezuela government just seized more miners from Bitcoin miners. Um. They actually seized so them on a truck. Uh, so they, like, stopped at a checkpoint or something like that? Yeah, there was... I thought I put it on the list. But, yeah, anyway, we can talk about it now. They seized 315 ASICs, and then they announced it on Twitter in Spanish, and then Coindesk translated it. Just funny how that works out. I don't know. But we have the Coindesk link there for English. But in Venezuela, mining is legal but you have to register with the government. And we actually have a tangent there is Iran just said that they're giving Bitcoin miners one month to register accordingly there as well. Uh, So unfortunately, I think we'll probably start seeing this around the world. And hopefully what we have going for us is smaller miners could probably get away with that not registering. And secondly, hopefully, you know, governments, world governments don't have good track record of coordinating with each other. So hopefully they're not able to coordinate on this as well. Yeah, it's an interesting attack vector having to register your miners because miners do come with um, serial numbers and stuff like that. Well, more importantly, they use a lot of power, right? So if you have a big... If you have a big mine, like that power draw, I mean, that's what we s- saw during the war on drugs. I mean, that's still going on, right? That they use like thermal imaging and shit and power draw calculations to see where like there's a shit ton of power going to some kind of residential warehouse neighborhood that they don't know what the source is. Yeah, that's how Venezuela has been identifying the um, the warehouse miners behind the grid. That's why at Great American Mining, it's one of the reasons why we think off-grid mining needs to become more popular. Uh, it's harder to sort of detect that. Um, which is, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, like that's a government attack, right? Using their insider knowledge of the grid system to identify and uh, separate and attack, if you will, Bitcoin miners. Well, that has always been, I think, one of the ultimate state attack vector theories. Um or scenarios 
right? Where they've yeah, seizing the miner. First, you register, you make the miners register, and then you tell them, you know, you blacklist certain transactions on the miner side, and they have to. You tell them they have to comply, otherwise you seize their equipment, right? You say if you can't include transactions from these blocks, uh, and just hopefully this is where that global coordination comes in, right? And then the fact that you do have some miners that are mining on a much lower scale, smaller scale that are harder to detect, that are using VPNs and whatnot to, to connect. Um, and those miners will presumably still mine the transactions that, that might end up on one of those blacklists. And I, I think um, when Eric was on the podcast, this is one of the things he talked about uh, is that the the fee pressure from those blacklisted transactions is is beautiful be so high because you you yeah. just if 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 like the majority of miners let's say 70% of miners aren't mining your transaction because they're they're all under whatever government's control or you know de facto control then you raise your fee and the independent miners that aren't under the control are directly incentivized to include it in their blocks yeah bringing up like another attack or mining pools that's one thing here in north america that i want to be more vocal about on this podcast because i do think there should be heated debate around this topic particularly uh, with mining pools and especially as institutions get more involved with mining the need for whitelisted mining pools and sort of uh, mining pools that are okayed by the government like contributing to slush pool how do you know you're not uh, accepting transactions from somebody from iran or venezuela and um like do will they try attempt to force like whitelisted mining pools on the industry and is that an attack vector that leads to a sort of partitioned network in a way yeah i mean unless we see i kind of did a big picture when i was explaining it earlier i mean unless we see the better hash component of stratum v2 get implemented the mining pools are the ones that are actually constructing the blocks and including the different transactions in right not the individual miners so if you were to try and pressure someone to do it you would be pressuring the mining pools and i guess by design there like if you were trying to pressure certain miners into following that compliance rule you would you would be saying you have to use this pool uh, or these groups of pools if you want to be legal in America or some other country, uh, and and that's where a different game theory element comes in, right? Which is the fact that these miners can switch pools relatively easily for low cost. So hopefully, we do have pools that are 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 not necessarily even freedom oriented. They're just profit oriented, right? And they see that they can make more money if they accept these transactions that are paying higher fees that, that these other mining pools aren't putting in their blocks. Yeah. I mean, good for those. I mean, and that's better. That's the shitty part about all of this. If that comes to fruition, is it really, uh, diminishes the potential profit of those miners that are forced to use those government mandated pools. And so I think we should get ahead of this as, as a mining industry specifically. And I asked Preston Byrne about this. I was a little disappointed in his answer, but 
I think it's very lawyer more to dig in. Yeah, it's very lawyer. Uh, but I think there's more, uh, there's more conversation to be ha- around Bitcoin as a legitimate messaging protocol. That's what it is. And just sending these messages is free speech that should be allowed no matter who you're sending it to in this case, a pool. That was a good episode, by the way. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think at the end of the day, these countries that implement these kind of policies will be shooting themselves in the foot. And that's part of the game theory that, that helps secure the Bitcoin network. Uh, but this is it, that's going to play out on a longer term time scale, right? Like these politicians, they, they are super high time preference. They aren't, they don't care about 15 year, uh, repercussions of their, of, of what they implement. They don't care about 20 year, 30 year implications. They are, are purely focused on the next reelection cycle and what, you know, will make them look good in the short term and what will get them as many lobbying dollars as possible. Uh, so there might be a messy period here for certain countries, like if they do decide to shoot themselves in the foot, but in the long term, Bitcoin should be able to weather that storm and, and it should play out, you know, in Bitcoin's favor long term. Yeah, no, and I want to be perfectly clear. I'm not worried about Bitcoin. I'm worried about the mining industry here in the United States specifically, because I think we may be a first mover in that regulatory uh, direction. And again, like you just mentioned, I think it would hinder the mining industry here in America. uh, And Bitcoin would would be unaffected in the long term, but it could set some, some capitalists back here to the home. But I mean, we could, home state. we could easily end up in a situation where like, let's say like 40% of mining is in the United States and like 40% of mining is in China and then 20% is scattered around the globe. And the 40% in America are implementing some level of blacklists and whitelisted pools that are implementing those blacklists for them. And then in China, they're implementing a completely different blacklist than in in America, and then the 20% independent aren't doing either of those, right? And so you end up in a situation where unless there's like global coordination, the it the, the impact on the actual Bitcoin network shouldn't be too severe. Uh, that's, that's the theory. Yeah, but is Bitcoin too hard to use at the whole? So it wouldn't be hard to use for a user, right? Because you can run a VPN or run your nodes through Tor, and they wouldn't be able to tell that you're sending a transaction from inside the borders. And that could get picked up by like the Kazakh pool or whatever. Well, look, it's not a coincidence that I talk about privacy things so often. <laughs> you know, the users do need to be educated here, uh, especially if they're all coming in through KYC. All the newcomers are all coming in through KYC. They're leaking a ton of private information. Uh, you know, it is it, a step in the right direction is using your own node through Tor, but that is not the only thing, right? And this is why we talk about it so often on, on this here podcast. No, it is fun to play through these game theoretical situations. Like, are the incentives of Bitcoin such that it would actually game theoretically would disincentivize governments from even trying this? Maybe it's something that's... Um, tested for for a few months to maybe a year and the the uh severely decreased profitability sort of forces miners out of america and then the u.s misses that tax revenue it's like all right we'll be more uh will be easier on 
on the Bitcoin miners or something. I mean, like I that. just think it, I, I, I think you are correct in direction. I just think it's longer time scales, right? I think, I mean, like if you look at a example that's closer to home, that's completely on Bitcoin related, um, New York governance process has completely shot our economy in the foot um, and eroded a lot of the a, a lot of the facets of New York City that made it such a valuable tax harvest center for such a long time, right? And that took, you know, that took like eight years, ten years, fifteen years of bad policy to start seeing the effects before they might inevitably turn it around but then we're talking like another 10 years for them to turn it around right like these things take a while to play out unfortunately and as i said earlier like these politicians they're straight high time preference and like the incentives are broken like you can't even really blame them too much uh even though we blame them all the time as we should uh because their incentives are broken right like their incentives aren't set up to care long term what 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 the fuck do they care what happens in 20 years they don't. They don't care. That's why we need term limits. This is why we need to take as much power away from the government as possible because, like Matt is alluding to or is actually directly saying, their incentives are all fucked. So has New York City regressed to 1970s New York City? Once again, we got to increase our time scales. Like, not yet, you know, but it could happen, right? Uh, if, if we don't turn the boat around quickly, it could happen eventually. And, it, and then once that happens, it's going to take a while to turn the boat around again. Yeah. We've got, uh, we've got military planes flying overhead. They're on to us. I'm not... I, dude, I don't know. I know you you were mad at me the other week because uh, I'm a New Yorker who left and is not talking shit on it. I'm not talking shit. I'm just being uh, descriptive. You're being a no-corner about there. it. <laughs> you sold your Bitcoin. You're being Bitfinex. You sold your Bitcoin at nine hundred dollars, and now you're being now now you're being anti-Bitcoin about it. That's my time. That's my my frame of reference. Uh, I hope it gets. Hey, here's me buying some sats, stacking some New York sats right now. Like I hope it gets back to where it was because it was pretty dope when like the city's hopping and bustling and, and things are are peachy in New York City. It's one of the most incredible vibes I've been around in the world. Yeah, I just hope that it, you know. We'll see, we'll see. Look, I'm I'm bearish as well. I'm bearish as well. I just think uh, I have more right to be bearish than you do. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, no, you have uh, you have more skin in the game up there than I than I ever did. But I also want to get the fuck uh, out, so we'll see. But then I can't talk as much <laughs> shit. See, that's my. I just got to hold myself to the same standard. No, don't self censor. Don't self censor. Be truth. Be honest. Like, as a New Yorker, maybe you actually have a, a greater responsibility to be as honest as possible. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens this election cycle. Uh, yeah, we shall thing, see. Is Andrew Yang going to run? The priorities. Like I, you know, I think, it, I think that's, you know, there's a lot worse options than, than having Yang as mayor. We'll see. I mean,. You can't get much worse than de Blasio, so... Look, I all I can say is, like, imagine being a presidential candidate and dropping out before all of this shit went down. Like, that shows me a lack of conviction, you know? So we'll see what the fuck happens. Like, the whole Democratic primary pool dropped out before fucking any of this shit went down. 
like like pre-lockdowns, pre-Rona panic, pre-all this stuff. They were like, oh, well, nothing can change between now and the DNC. And they just fucking all dropped out like little bitches. Like, no conviction whatsoever. But can you blame them? You know, they took Isn't people's pretty... money. They didn't take my money, yeah, but they, I, in my mind, that's a, ba- that's a bad look. That's all. That's all I'm saying. It's a bad look. That's uh. How do we treat Bitcoiners that disappear in the way. bear market? You know? Yeah, they're starting to come back. Exactly. No conviction. Back. Is it just me, or does it feel like we're getting uh, some more mainstream uh, eyes? Not on Bitcoin particularly, unfortunately, but <laughs> this whole TikTok Doge. Your thing. favorite app has this been pumping last, Dogecoin. This is the last uh, uh, last line on our list. We're going to move it up because it just came up naturally. But, yeah, the fucking TikTokers are pumping Doge. It's up what like 35 percent last week we need a bitcoiner to take one for the team create a tiktok account and start shilling sats on tiktok we appreciate your sacrifice i'm not gonna do it fuck that app you know get a burner phone use it with tiktok i guess you know but but don't take use any bitcoin applications on the same phone that you use that app yeah, get a TikTok, they're logging everything get a tiktok specific phone but we need someone on there it to is. shill sats to the zoomers yeah, I mean, I noticed because I just saw like the barstool guys are getting in on it. Um, it's got got some uh, some tinglings of early 2017, and I said this on the Swan Bitcoin podcast yesterday. Like, I think this time around, I'm just like gonna just not get as mad at the shitcoin pumping and dumping as I did last cycle. Yes, it's terrible, but it's inevitable, dude. Yeah, people are gonna touch the stove. Well, this is what I've always said. Um, I don't think shitcoins are a threat to Bitcoin, but they are a threat to the users who speculate on them, right? So I'm going to continue to try my best to help users avoid, you know, burning themselves too bad on the stove. But for a lot of users, yes, that's what that's what's going to have to happen. They're going to have to get burned and then they learn. Like that is the unfortunate reality of the situation. But I think people should realize that these aren't, it's not a threat to Bitcoin, that's like the number one thing that I think people a lot of times lose sight of. Um, it, it is a threat to the specific users that choose to speculate on them. Completely agreed. And like, just be aware. And if you're trading all this stuff, it actually rolls into our next topic. Just be aware that like short-term capital gains is taxes income. Uh, you're not making like like-kind transfers. Is that the correct term? Uh, when you when you trade in now these cryptocurrencies, and the IRS is actively looking to find ways to de-anonymize Lightning, and we already know that they're teamed up with exchanges like Coinbase to um, to get data on on their users. So be aware. I got an in at uh, one of the major surveillance firms after I did my call out to the freaks. Um, How so? And I know this specific platform does not. They're, they have they do not have any tools to try and unwind coin joins and they have zero tool they just flag coin joins they have a tool that can flag coin joins and they they do not have any lightning capabilities yet so we may be in like but like we said on this pod there are there are a bunch of different ways for them to be tracking lightning transactions so uh, it's not a panacea but yeah privacy wise particularly 
Yeah, particularly where your nodes touch Beatspace. Like, make sure they're running through Tor. But like the other thing people don't realize, and I just want to mention this because someone actually uh, reached out on Twitter and asked for it to be brought up on the podcast, and I misread the question at first, and it was about Strike, um, our boy Jack Mahler's new app, uh, which is, you know, from a UX perspective, seems, seems awesome. Uh, I have not used it. Uh, so those are my two disclosures. Uh, Jack is a good friend. That's my third disclosure. Um, two things privacy related to this app. Uh, first of all, you're paying lightning invoices. So strike does know, um, strike, strike knows the pub key for the node that you're paying. Okay. And from that pub key, they can see if it's, if it's not connected through tour, they can see the IP address. So they have a location, um, of, of where that node is located. Um, and they, if let's say you're running from your home and you're not running a VPN on your other stuff, like your IP address is all over the internet, all the different sites you've gone to and stuff like that. So it's, 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 it's a very revealing piece of information. They also know your public channels that you have that you're broadcasting and the balances that are related to that as well. So it's, so some people are using strike, which is not it's advertised purpose to stack sats to themselves. They send an invoice to strike that pays their own node. Um, this is not as private as you think it is. You're leaking a ton of information to strike, which we just, which I just mentioned. So it's just, it's, it's important to keep that in mind, unless you're using like a custodial lightning wallet, which is like a weird little nuance there where if you're using like wallet of satoshi or blue wallet custodial it's a shared it's a shared node so it isn't linked to you but then you run into custodial risk not your keys not your coins so this is just something to keep in mind uh lightning provides much better privacy to the sender than the receiver so if you are putting your own lightning invoices in there you are giving up a bunch of information if you want to see which information you're specifically giving up go to lightningdecoder.com you can paste an invoice in there and it will show all the information that is in that invoice. So would it be good to hop strike while the Satoshi node? You know, uh, I'm not going to give any specific advice here, but this is something that people should keep in mind. The other thing is I think he's using plaid for the bank account integration. And we've been very, very uh, critical of Plaid's business model in the past, and we should be here as well to be consistent. Like Plaid is man in the middle by design. Uh, they take your your bank account login information to connect the service. It's not a it's not a privacy first service by any means. So just I. I, I, I like the UX flow that it's just a phone number and a debit card and whatnot to sign up, but just people should realize that this is still KYC. You are giving up a ton of information here and just don't make any mistakes you might regret in the future. Just be very careful with it. Be aware, freaks, be aware. And there's two, um, my list isn't loading perfectly right now, so I'm not certain if the one thing is not on the list, but I am certain the other isn't. Um, two things I want to bring up here, uh, talking about 
usability of lightning and then privacy uh coin swap privacy particularly the bolts team i wrote about it earlier this week came out um with uh an app that i think that you could call and be an api that automatically sets up channels for you both uh inbound and outbound and with you see so you basically send bitcoin to a wallet and you have a balance channel that you can then send and receive sats from and this is just a huge ux um improvement in the sense that a user would simply be sending a utxo to an address either in the bolts wallet or somebody's implementing the tech that they have and it would automatically open a balance channel for you so it's basically the same ux as moving from a cash app wallet to a samurai or something like that and then instead of spending at the base layer, you can spend on Lightning, which I just think is a huge step up from UX perspective. I missed this. Who who released this? The Bolts team, B-O-L-T-Z. Um, so what yeah, what's the flow? So you, you pay them, you pay them fiat, and then they set up the channel. It's complete. No, it's completely non-custodial. Um, so you pay them Bitcoin you know, so. on chain, and then they set it up for you. By using a wallet or app that integrates Bolt's channel creation service, end users can now send the on-chain funds to Bolt's, and in return, Bolt's opens a fully balanced, ready-to-transact Lightning channel to users' node with inbound liquidity. This adheres to the ubiquitous intuitive deposit flow in Bitcoin wallets that users are already familiar with, making the whole experience of going from installing the wallet to doing the first transaction as seamless as possible. And from what I understand... These wallets are completely non-custodial too. You connect them to your node, and then they just have this service within it that sets up these channels for you. That sounds pretty awesome. Definitely throw that link in the show notes. I got to read more on it. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge step up in UX. It was, it was, yeah. I wrote about it on Monday. That could be really big. Or it's Tuesday. If it's an open API, that's really big for wallet developers that want to add non-custodial lightning without destroying UX. Because non-custodial lightning right now is very difficult to do uh, in a UX-friendly way. Yeah. they um, they ha- It's an open API, and then they're also routing everything through Tor as well, um, the API calls. Uh, so yeah, the bolts team underrated. I think it came across my uh, radar this week. Um, actually reached out to them. We're going to get an episode with them so we can hop on and ask them a bunch of questions about what they're building. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Um, so the second tangent I want to go on just cause this caught my eye right before we started to hit record was Bob McElrath, uh, who's pretty great mind in the space, very underappreciated uh in some circles that he's very appreciated in in a lot of circles within the bitcoin space uh big he helped start the bitcoin or was one of the first regulars of the BitDevs new york meetup the white paper series in new york and he has an argument for combining coin swap and state chains with more traditional on-chain mixers uh, and he gets into taint and the question that was uh, posed uh, to him is, what are some of the challenges with implementing CoinSwap? And Bob had to say, I'm going to give you my UTXO. You're going to give me yours. Some of the other proposals, state chains have the same property where I'm going to get a new UTXO. If there is a pool of UTXOs out there, one of them came from a dark net and is blacklisted somehow, somebody's going to get that UTXO. They're going to get the full UTXO. And it's going to be a bad one. This is a strong disincentive to use such a system, whereas with CoinJoin, I have 100 inputs and 100 outputs, and I don't know which is which. 
So each one is tainted 1%. With the coin swap proposal, one UTXO that somebody's going to get, and it may, maybe you, is tainted at the 100% level, and the others are not tainted at all. And then he sort of quote tweeted uh, that tweet from Bitcoin Transcripts um, and elaborated. He said that wasn't like the, the clearest explanation, but I'm trying to argue for combining coin swaps and, um, and coin joins, basically. No, that makes a shit ton of sense. Um, if we had Chris on the pod right now, he would say, I think he would say, I'm going to try to speak for him, but he is a legend, so don't hold me to it. Uh, I think he would say that that is more of a, uh, a growing pains type of thing. Uh, in the beginning, it will be absolutely necessary to use both. Uh, but long term, when you have these swap protocols in place, you're destroying that heuristic that allows them to automatically blacklist identify things, it right yeah. because they can't assume they can't assume that that utxo any utxo transaction ha- has been uh is from is just one person sending to themselves over and over again right so so the the common ownership the common input ownership heuristic gets gets completely destroyed now will will regulatory bodies um understand that right away like no absolutely fucking not like this goes back to our previous conversation like the, the, it they it's going to take a while and so in the beginning it's you know it's definitely going to be very advantageous to have to have both and like the more tools the better like at the end of the day the more tools the better we just um let's have a lot of options let's have a lot of options for bitcoiners let's combine all yeah. the options no i thought agreed agreed and i thought this was a uh... A very nice uh, steel man from Bob. I like that uh, that uh, sort of rigorous debate around this right now as it gets built out. All right, we got a lot a lot of updates again. It feels like all these software projects have like a push a week now at this point. Uh, but before we get to that, our boy Bitcoin Q and A, uh, Bitcoin Q and A dot com is where he's posting all this stuff. He has a cold card one hundred and one. Uh, post that you guys should go through very thorough um, goes through what is a cold card why use it all the features how does it work create your own wallet blah 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 the whole gamut you can imagine blah blah uh, blah if you've been listening I mean if you've been li- if you've been I mean I said blah 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 because it'd be so long to get through the minute detail that our boy Bitcoin Q&A goes through uh, that blah 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 was meant to say like you know how thorough this is Thank you, Bitcoin Q&A. We appreciate you. Um, and then on that note, we also have the cold card guides that Keep It Simple Bitcoin has been commissioned to do from CoinKite. Um, and he does a very professional job as usual. Uh, and that includes a full setup and spending process of using Electrum and Multisig with cold card. Uh, so those are worth checking out. We linked to the YouTube playlist um, in the show notes and... They have more videos coming out. They, I think they have at least 10 more videos coming out. Um, and they already have like 12 or 11 videos out. So very, very useful yeah, he's, little he's, videos. Like, and and it's, you can watch the whole playlist or you can, it's all broken down, which I really like that format where it's broken down so you can see the individual things in like five-minute videos, six-minute videos. Yeah. Um, they've been pumping those out. Shout out to Keep It Simple Bitcoin and the CoinKite team for putting out such dope products, whether it be 
the actual hardware wallet or the tutorials that teach you how to use the hardware wallet. Speaking of hardware, uh, if you're running a MyNode, version 0.2.11 has been released. Um, and this comes... I was about to read release notes, but there are, are none in front of me. Uh, yeah, they don't put sure their release really notes on GitHub. Um, but No Bullshit Bitcoin like, has them. Uh, the big thing... So there was actually two updates since the last RHR. There was V0.2.1. And then that had a couple bugs in it. So then they released V0.2.11. Um, while This is all in between our two RHRs, which is... I mean, that's good to see, updates. The big one... The absolute huge one in my mind, and I've been sitting on this because I've been talking to Taylor about it behind the scenes. I didn't want to like blow up the spot. Uh, is now when they do the key checks and the upgrades, right? Like you have a my node, you have a premium key option, um, but for both versions of my node, it was pinging his server for the key checks every twenty four hours. So now it goes through Tor. Um, the whole process goes to Tor, so you're not exposing your IP to his server and to his ISP, which is a huge, a massive upgrade in terms of privacy for my node users. So definitely go upgrade to that. Um, they also added HTTPS support for Caravan. Um, they upgraded BTC RPC Explorer, the, the blockchain explorer that they have that they use as your own node. They upgraded LND. They added Spectre Desktop. Um, they added LN Bits. Um, huge upgrades. Really good to see MyNode is becoming a much stronger project. Yeah, somebody's been using MyNode too, just a word to the wise. Um, I wouldn't run all the applications at once. Uh, just be selective with what you're running at any given point in time because that will sort of heat it up, slow it down, and you'll have a hard time catching up to the chain tip because it'll be sucking up so much CPU. I think in general, um, especially if you're using... The coin join features and the lightning features where you have your keys actually on the nodes. Um, you know, these Raspi 4s are 70 bucks, 50 bucks. Uh, the SSD, which is historically the most expensive part, is like a little over $100. Um, if you have like any kind of substantial amount of Bitcoin, you can afford to run multiple of them. So like split up split up what you run on each, you know, compartmentalize. And it, it increases your both your privacy and your security. I, I think it, it, it improves it tremendously. And it doesn't have to all be, you know, you can you can run a MyNode and a Raspi Blitz. You can run a Raspi Blitz and a Ronin Dojo, you know, like a Noddle and, and a Raspi Blitz. Like all these things you can, you can combine and choose. Uh, and I, I think like it does, it does help you in that regard. Like you, you want to split it up. You don't want to run it all on a single box. I agree. I agree. Just for security purposes and functionality purposes. Um, and ideally different locations. If you can even pull that one off, if you can run one in an office, run in a, one, one in a home, you know, that's even better. If there's a, if there's physical entry, then they're not all in the same place. Yeah. Um, be aware and be cognizant of this and just experiment with this stuff. You learn a lot by doing it. It's, it's fun to, to actually use Bitcoin in a self-sovereign way and, and confirm everything for yourself. Do not trust verify. Liberating. Um, 
Yeah, it really is but legitimate. When you do play around, don't play around with your whole stash. Don't be too reckless. No, no, no. Um, you may be running Whirlpool through your MyNode, and if you are, uh, version 0.10.7 of the CLI, so this isn't GUI, this is the CLI, um, has been released, so you guys can upgrade that. And I don't think um, it's pushed to my node yet. I think my node's on 10.6. I know Noddle's on 10.6. Um, but yeah, Whirlpool CLI 10.7 has been released. Uh, good to see. They yeah, they fixed a bunch yeah. of bugs. Yeah, a couple fixes. Now it shows UTXO counts, deposit, premix, and postmix, plus the total balance. Um, so you know how many UTXOs you have in each stage of this process. Uh, yeah, I've been messing around with the, the Whirlpool GUI uh, quite a bit. Very impressed with the with the interface and the ability to just hit mix or queue or stop. Um, so just one of the things about Whirlpool is that you can run it uh, directly from your mobile device. The CLI is gorgeous in that it runs 24-7. So if you're trying to take advantage of the fact that you only pay an entrance fee, which, by the way, people are still confused about, which is completely fair, because uh, I was confused about it at first as well. Um, it, takes, it takes a little bit to wrap your head around their fee structure. But the, the, the pool fee is a fixed pool fee. If you go into each pool, it's 5% of the pool size. Um, you go into the million sats pool, it's 5% of a million sats, regardless of how much you send in and regardless of how many times you remix. But if you want to really take advantage of that ability to remix um, at no cost to yourself uh, indefinitely, then the CLI really comes into play because you can run it 24-7. The GUI can run standalone, and it doesn't run 24-7, though. It's still, like, if your computer goes to sleep or something, it will stop running. Uh, but it runs, you know, more constant than if you just did mobile. If you do run the CLI, then you can use the GUI to connect into the CLI um, just to, as an interface. But really, the CLI is doing all the legwork. The CLI is the thing running 24-7. That's where it runs on your MyNote. That's where it runs on your Ronin Dojo. That's where it runs on your your Noddle or whatever dedicated box you've decided to set up your CLI on. Yeah. Um it's getting better. It's gotten better uh, since I started using it earlier this year. You know, they brought Zero Leak Speaking on of- board, and Zero Leak's fucking hustler. He's just making shit happen, so that's really good to see. Shout out to you, Zero Leak. Um, speaking of releases and getting better, uh, Electrum had two upgrades since July 3rd. Well, they had one on July 3rd and another on July 8th, and the most recent version version 4.0.2 removes some old corrupted non BIP 70 invoices and other minor fixes uh, after the major release uh, a week ago on July 3rd. I remember seeing some tweets about the non BIP 70 invoices. What was going on with this? I'm not sure exactly. Um, I think they're the old format invoices. Uh, The key here is that this was already released. We talked about, v 4.0.2 last episode but it was the beta now it's in the main channel now it's in the stable channel it's a proper release uh but i mean that the big thing here 
just in general is that you have their Python Lightning client, which I still think I'm pretty sure no one corrected me on Twitter. So I'm still pretty sure that it's the only Lightning client with coin control. It's a massive thing uh, that no one really talks about in terms of privacy. Like every wallet should have coin control with labeling. Um, but they also have multi-sig support for cold cards, which I do want to reiterate. We're, we're a little bit ahead of the game here in terms of like super user-friendly multi-sig with your own node. Yeah, you told somebody to wait six months. Yeah, Why six wait months? six months. All right, six months. We'll reassess in six months. You know, I think we're on the verge here. We have Spectre, which is looks fucking awesome in terms of user-friendliness. We have Caravan that they've been iterating very quickly. Electrum is now in the game here with the, with the cold card and the PSBT support. Like, we're very close, but like, you also have to think, you know, one of the reasons, one of the main ways people lose their coins is their own mistakes. Or if they, if something happens to them and their, their heirs are trying to recover their Bitcoin, they have trouble recovering their Bitcoin, right? So complexity is the devil in those things. So you have to be very careful, you know, like if something happens to you, are, is your wife and children going to be able to, to get this Bitcoin? And I, I, people shouldn't, you know, with cold storage, like you got to be low time preference with your cold storage, you know, and, and you're not, you shouldn't be trying to move to the latest and greatest and then seven months, eight months down the line, try and move to the next latest and the greatest. Like in my mind, that's not how cold storage should, that's not how cold storage should be approached. Right. So you need to be very careful here. I don't get ahead of yourself. Absolutely experiment with it. Uh, the integration is 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 fantastic, but it it is still very complex, and and there's a lot of ways you could shoot yourself in the foot. So I just think that um, people shouldn't be rushing into these things. And I I, I also just want to reiterate, and like I didn't like call them out directly, but it's still like grinding my gears. So I might I might call them out directly right now. Um, I'm like, I'm not so sure about the trade-off, like the trade-off balance isn't very clear that necessarily, like if you use one of these host hosted multi-sigs solutions where they're a cosigner and they have a key, if that is necessarily a benefit over using, you know, multiple different types of single sig where you still have compartmentalization where it's not all your eggs aren't in one basket, but you know, you don't have multi-sig. So like I, like, like for instance, something like Casa, like you, you do have like a closed source app is giving you your receive addresses. Um, I don't know if that is for some people that might be desirable in terms of recovery is easier. They can call Casa, you know, they can talk to someone, they can be like, there's a legal, there's a legal document. The person died. They left me these things in their will. You have someone to talk to. That's you know obviously an improvement in terms of errors. Uh, we know Unchained does does similar with you know we, when we spoke to Will Cole, he talked about that. Um, but you know multisig itself isn't a panacea as well, right? So like we're still a little bit away, but I feel like we're very close. We're we're very we're very close. Feel free to experiment. Feel free to fucking do whatever the fuck you want. I'm just an idiot on the fucking podcast. 
But I just, this is my opinion. This is my opinion on the matter. I think we're like six to eight months away from like truly very user-friendly, self-sovereign, multi-sig, where you can do it all open source, all with your own node, and you, you minimize your trust as much as possible. All right, Freaks, mark it in your calendars, July 9th, 2020, or excuse me, January 9th, 2021. We get to ask Matt if six months has, has proved to be the, uh, I look forward the to correct it. amount of time to wait. I look forward to it. Mark your calendars, set your reminders. I, wanna, I want Twitter to blow up if we're still on Twitter on January 9th, uh, 2021, about Matt's promise of six months. And the other thing is, that's not a promise. I, we should reassess in six months. The other thing is, I, behind the scenes, Justin Moon, I'm pretty sure, is also working on Junction. Uh, so like these, those four projects, Electrum, Junction, Spectre, Caravan, uh, we're going to see so much improvement over the next six months. Like I'm, Lily, I'm very Lily can't. Can't leave Lily out Lily. of there. You know, there you go. When are we dropping that podcast? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Or Monday. Or Monday. We'll see. Lower your see time how, preference, see how things are going. It will come when Marty's ready to drop it. <laughs> Let us know. Let us know on Twitter if you want it tomorrow or, or Monday. We did drop two episodes already this week, and this Rabbit Hole Recap will be the third, so I don't want to inundate you with too much content if you can't drink from the TFTC spigot with, uh, with as much speed as the markets can take the money from the Fed spigot. Uh, staying on updates, Eclair version 0.4.1 has been released. And this comes with improved path uh, an improved pathfinding algorithm, brand new flow inspired MPP split algorithm, support for uh, post posture SQL DB. I don't know how to say that. Uh, support for static remote key and better on-chain fee management. Uh, so if you're running Eclair, Async has uh, launched version 0.4.1. So if you're looking to upgrade, you can do so. And then RTL and then upgraded. Yeah, and they're big upgrade. This is uh, compatible with every Lightning implementation now, correct? Yeah, the big one is Eclair. That's why it's fantastic following your previous uh, announcement. Uh, is that, yeah, now it supports Eclair. So it already supported C Lightning. It already supported LND. Now it supports Eclair. Uh, I wouldn't say every Lightning implementation because it doesn't support Electrum. Electrum's Python implementation. And I think there's one other implement. Is there. He said, he said every major implementation in, in his tweet. Uh, Suheb did, I believe. Wow, Suheb. Our boy Suheb just throwing darts at uh, Electrum. Um, no, I mean, he is correct. Like, Electrum's not a major Lightning implementation yet. If it will be, we will see. It's yet to be seen. But this is awesome. I fucking love RTL. Uh, Sue Hebb and his wife do amazing work uh, as lead maintainers of that project. So, uh, power to them. This is fucking awesome. Shout out to that power couple. And we got to get them on the pod soon. We do. We got, I want to do it in person. But Me too. I want to do them all in sold. person. I know it felt good being a person with Jeff yesterday. It's just, uh, and then Antoine a couple of weeks ago. It's just, it's, we gotta, we gotta get a, a rendezvous in Brooklyn, officially lined up at some point. I'm down. We can use my backyard. Would love that. Um, it's sitting there. I'm paying rent yeah. on it. <laughs> Might as well get our money's worth. Right. Um, we'll make it happen soon. The staying on upgrades Raspberry Blitz version 
1.6 RC2. Don't know what that RC2 stands for. What's that? Release Candidate 2, so it's beta. Uh, Uh, The big thing here, in my opinion, is OpenOM's project Join Inbox that he's been working on since January um, is about, is, is so now it's implemented in RC2 and, you know, so it's, it's on the verge of getting put into the stable release. And this is a proper GUI for uh, join market. Join market. Yeah. So this, okay. this can make it a lot easier to use join market. So I'm very excited about it. Um, I am currently testing the UX- it. It seems it's, it's, it's very solid. The UX improves. The UX improves. And speaking of UX improvements, Umbrel uh, teased uh, a new layout or a new app that has a very sleek design uh, to, to manage your node. You pointed this one out, Matt. I haven't heard of these guys until you put this on the list. I didn't hear about them until I saw it on Twitter. Um, it's, so it's a new software package uh, that will be presumably competing with uh, the Raspi Blitzes and the MyNodes and the Ronin Dojos of the world where you can run it on your own hardware. I assume they're also going to release their own hardware as well, right? So you run it on a Raspi that you build yourself or you buy a pre-built from them. Um, the UX looks fucking gorgeous. So all of our UX freaks out there would be excited about that. I know a lot of a lot of you guys out there have been talking about UX a lot recently. Uh, so, so, so this could be very exciting. <laughs> Myself for you. included. For me, this is exciting. The reason I really want to highlight it is because I know these motherfuckers are red pilled because in their tease they show join market integration, right? And like that's that's basically once you start delving into the world of privacy and coin join, like that's when I know like you mean business, and that's when I you know. I really want to highlight it. So I'm pretty excited. We'll see what they have. We really have no idea whatsoever, but the teaser shots are cool. And, and more options are better. Once again, more options for Bitcoiners, absolutely better. Optionality. You guys can go check this out at getumbrel.com. That's U-M-B-R-L, getumbrl.com. We'll throw it in the show notes, of course, but if you want to get early access, um, they're allowing you to put your email address in and Beyond join market, it looks like they're teasing. They have BTC pay server and tour compatibility as Do well. Do not so. put your main email address in there. Freaks. Whenever an unreleased service is asking for emails, there's always the possibility that they're harvesting data on Bitcoiners. So do not just go rush and do that. I don't, do you remember, what was it? Uh, Project Q or something? Do you remember what I'm talking about? That that stupid shit coin that uh, Larry White, is that his name, was an advisor on? Lawrence White? Yeah. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking Initiative about. Initiative Q. I don't remember. The, Initiative Q. And they promised that they were going to airdrop coins to the world, which we've already debunked as like a, that's a bullshit. There's no such thing as like a fair airdrop, uh, like a fair distribution. Uh I, I, we've talked about that a million times, but my point is, is that they had you put in email addresses and then they had like a ref link system where if you got like five other people to sign up with their email addresses, they did it. Like these can always be information harvesting things. Let's get the the Bitcoin curious people, the the crypto curious, I did quotation marks for the freaks who can't see me right now, 
to, to sign up and then they get a harvest of email lists, right? So you want to, you want to use burner emails for these things. You want to, don't use your main email address. You shouldn't have a main email address, but if you do, do not use it. Line those burners up, freaks. Line those burners up. Um, damn, we have a lot to get through. We gotta, we gotta wrap it up. I got, I got a hard stop in thirty-five minutes. So, let's rip through this. UK FCA came out the Bitcoin research report. Uh, I dove into like the first few pages. It seems pretty milquetoast. Nothing too crazy, right? I love that. I love that term. You used it in the Vanju pod too. Yeah, it's my word of the week, milk toast. Um, yeah, I mean, they, uh, the big thing is they estimate that a little under 4% of the UK population owns cryptocurrencies. Which sounds about right. If, if you, I was going to go off my gut. But we'll link to it in the show notes if you guys want to go through it. They They... Asked 3,085 respondents if they heard of cryptocurrencies. And if they said yes, then they gave them the rest of the survey. So the actual sample size is 2,258 British people. Shout out to you Brits holding Bitcoin out there. Um, cooperating with the UK FCA. We'll see, you, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, hardmoneyfilm.com came out over the weekend humbled uh, about this i read about it in the bent on monday but they pulled some clips from tftc over the years uh, it's a really good 35 minute uh documentary on on hard money why it's important how it was bastardized and how bitcoin can help us get back to a hard money standard i think it was very well done and that was done by um i don't want to butcher his name if you click it it, it says it his name because i also forgot um, um james richard Jim. james Richard James, R. James under dash BTC. I just had to say, like, it was just very professionally done. Uh, And the length was great. You know, what is it, like 35 minutes, 34 minutes. Yeah, perfect length, like, great. I love how he used, like, all old school clips and cartoons just to really drive home that this uh, debate around hard money has been... um, been around for quite some time people have been talking about it for for quite a while and and pointing out that when money is easily printed out of thin air um it's not really good for most people so shout out to uh r james underscore bitcoin rj underscore bitcoin or r james underscore bitcoin r james underscore btc and also, I would just like to say that that would be hilarious. You know how, like, the film the film posters always have, like, the quotes, uh, like, you know, saying from the New York Times, saying, like, how good they are or whatever. Like, your quote that you just said was, like, where hard money is just, like, not good for some people or like, <laughs> whatever. You're, you're, you're right there. That would be great for a film poster. Hey, think about it, Jim. James. Richard. Uh, out of Richard James. Richard James. Um, we DM'd earlier this week, too. Now I feel like an asshole. I'm sorry, Richard. I'm sorry. Um, out of Australia, crushing. He's coming out with a part two that's going to be more focused on uh, Bitcoin's technical aspects. So be on the lookout for that as well. Uh, we already hit on Iran and Venezuela. PSBT signing is now officially supported in fully noted. Um, 
which is pretty huge uh, and PSBT toolkit was released by our good friend Ben the car man over the weekend he did a, like a little hackathon over the weekend create a PSBT uh, toolkit so that you can easily construct broadcast and um, move your PSBT transactions. Well, no, what's really cool about the combination of those two announcements is that you can do PSBT signing in fully noted, and then with PSBT toolkit, you can do everything but sign. So I just thought they were funny next to each other. Hey, Ben the car man and uh, our friends of fully noted get together. Let's let's bridge this gap here. Speaking of bridging gaps, Coin Center is hard at work trying to bridge the gap between the lack of knowledge that exists on Capitol Hill and uh, everything that goes on in Bitcoin, particularly privacy. So they wrote a nice explainer on the difference between mixers, coin join implementations, and privacy coins. Uh, it's pretty well done. Um, I like the graphics. Nice graphics. Yeah. Yeah, the graphics are really good. They earned their donation this year. I will be giving them my annual donation. Very good job. <laughs> Naraj DM'd me it personally. I did like it a lot. It was it was very well done. They did a good job, as usual. Extremely well done. Yes. Um, this is pretty cool. A crowdfunded distributed Bitcoin awareness project. Uh, ideas are like flames.com. I saw the stickers. Somebody sent me a picture of a fix the money, fix the world Bitcoin sticker in, I believe, Frankfurt, Germany a month ago. And now it seemed... Yeah, now it seems like that, uh, or it might have been Munich. I'm not positive which, which city it was. But um, they sort of open sourced the design for 18 stickers with s- slogans similar to that. Um, and they are offering sats if you download a sticker, a PDF, create a sticker, and post it somewhere. 615. They're giving out 16, 615 sats. Uh, a, um, a, a photo of, of a distributed marketing campaign. A little hat tip. It's another big a little hat tip to American Hoddle right there. Shout out Hoddle. And they also have uh so they have a so they set up the fund, but then they have a crowdfund page running through BTC Pay that you can crowd you can contribute if you know so they have more money to to give. Because they, they, they dedicated six hundred and fifteen thousand sats. So that's a thousand stickers, um, worth of proof. Like if you if you post proof that you that you did it, you get paid out. Um, yeah, fucking cool. We need to pump those stats. Let's pump those stats, freaks. Uh, Coinbase, big news today. Coinbase trying to IPO. Is uh, went around the wires today that they're getting their shit in order to prepare for a initial public offering coinbase going public that naked mole rat trying to get that public money what are your thoughts on this fuck them are my thoughts always um i wonder if this had something to do with them selling surveillance software to the irs and dea uh to try and build good favor with the sec who has to ultimately approve their ipo so will the SEC approve the IPO of a company that has been clearly selling unregistered securities to retail, uh, which is the SEC's purview? This might be a way for them to kind of curry favor with them. So we will see how this plays out. Um, obviously, you know, we've seen the markets lately. 
I, I do not blame them. Now is a great time to IPO, it seems like. Everything's just fucking banging on the IPO. Look at Nikola, fucking electric car company that has never produced a single car and took millions of dollars in PPP money. Uh, has like a $28 billion. $4 billion. Dollars. Is it higher than that now? 28 Ugh. I said $4 billion. You said 28 It was $28 billion at one point. So I'm not sure. Maybe it Holy fell back shit. down, but it hit $28 billion off the backs of Robinhood traders. TikTok. TikTok pumped the shit out of that before they pumped Doge. We need our TikTok sats shillers. You know, use a burner, but we need them. We don't need them. Is it, is but, like, hopefully that will help what we're do- people avoid the shit coins if they just, I don't know. But is i mean is what we're doing even worthwhile are the tiktokers just going to pump doge and make that the reserve currency of the world like where is the tftc fan account on tiktok you know i'm not going to do it marty's al al's across you freaks get out there we also we need have, you. don't forget btc pay hat we also have that account btc pay hat i think marty's al has an enemy now too um that came real quick. What was the who's the Love enemy? These, uh, My favorite is the rivalry that they have with Swan, the owl versus the Swan. <laughs> it's a friendly rivalry. Shout out to all of our owls out there. Um, it's uh, you freaks are, I love you freaks. You're the best. It's you funny make to it see worth those it. pop up. Um, hopefully the TikTokers don't ruin it for all of us. Just make all this for naught, which I don't think is going to happen. But I think it's pretty funny. Um. It is crazy how that uh, that herd mentality really persists over there at TikTok, and they can pump. The herd mentality persists right. on all the social media platforms. They're just the latest and greatest. And this, you know, yes, there are massive privacy concerns with TikTok, but there's massive privacy concerns with all these social media apps. Um, TikTok is just particularly egregious, and they do. It's the first one that's really blown up that's not an American technology company, right? So usually they're arms of the American intelligence services, and this one's an arm of the Chinese intelligence service. Uh, just distributing the spyware around the globe. Yes. Great transition to the next topic, which is uh, signal downloads have surged in Hong Kong because they're trying to get away from the draconian laws that went into effect. Hong Kong has officially fallen uh, Beijing has complete control over over the law in Hong Kong. Extremely sad to see, and uh, if you're paying attention to this, they're looking at Taiwan next. They're trying to Taiwan's basically fucked. just uh, they're, they're they're looking at Taiwan and saying, "Hey, you're going to get what Hong Kong just got." Um, Some might call it a cuck mentality, but U.S. is not going to step <laughs> in. They're not going to step in. We're not going to step in. It's not going to happen. I, no one's gonna. I don't know. No one's gonna stop it. Feels like we might be in a cold war. With China It's not official yet. Like with uh, pulling out of the World Health Organization, um, Pompeo coming out against TikTok, particularly which we just talked about, and um, I think Trump's starting to talk more about Uyghurs as well. You know. Uh, you know what's interesting? Uh, TikTok's not not uh, TikTok's banned in China. They don't. They don't. You can't access it in China, which I thought was interesting. It's like specifically an international spyware they have. Jesus Christ! Um, Stop using TikTok, free. Anyway, but this signal story. The reason I put it there is twofold. Uh, first of all, uh, on the back of this new legislation that basically allows the Hong Kong police to access 
all of your data on these different platforms. Um, Telegram came out and said they will not comply with any Hong Kong requests, which means they'll probably get banned soon. Then after that, Twitter and Facebook also followed suit and Facebook subsidiaries, you know, Instagram and WhatsApp. Um, Signal grandstanded on Twitter. They were like, uh, we don't have to make this statement because we have no data to give over, which I thought was a funny little grandstand. Um, but the main reason I put it here is because I think there are a lot of corollaries between encryption and Bitcoin. And I think the people that think that we need to market Bitcoin to pre-coiners is they're, they're off base. Uh, you, you, it's not a necessity. It, it does. It obviously would speed up a hyper Bitcoinization process and it does create less pain for the individuals that might not otherwise discover Bitcoin until later. But I think with both encryption and Bitcoin, they're both defensive technologies. They're both things that allow individuals to defend themselves from their states if, if their state is becoming more authoritarian and oppressing them. And when people realize that they have a need for this defensive technology, they will seek it out. And that, that is what we have seen with encryption. We are seeing it with Signal right now. Um, in Hong Kong, I, I was, I was just on Satoshi in Venezuela podcast and I was discussing this. Like, I don't think you have to explain to Venezuelans why they need privacy, why they need better money. They live this firsthand. And when that happens, when they realize the need is when they will seek it out and when they will commit themselves to learning about this stuff, because it is, you know, once again, it's the privacy versus convenience trade-off It's the sovereignty versus convenience trade-off. It is always more difficult. And you, you need to have that implicit need to, to really to really grasp it for most people, I would say. Completely agree. Yeah, I mean, I said this yesterday on the Swan Bitcoin podcast, like Bitcoin markets itself. It enables peer-to-peer distributed transactions for anybody who needs them. And when they need them, Bitcoin will be there for them. And it's it sells itself. The whole infatuation over the marketing shit it's like getting nauseating it's it's i mean yes more better marketing and shilling to pre-coiners can definitely help but i don't think it's it's completely necessary to make bitcoin succeed in the long term bitcoin speaks for itself um, and those who want to make uh, bitcoin adoption happen faster like hey i do as well but you can't force people into this you personally other circumstances will do that and um, like signal isn't marketing to hong kongers they built a good product that defends hong kongers rights and when hong kongers realized they needed it they came in swarms right that's the result yes very good observation there matthew um stable coins tough week for them bitcoin's my stable coin Fa- <laughs> last topic on the list is uh came out yesterday jeremy alert and circle are blacklisting an address with a hundred thousand dollar uh of tether or excuse me usdc held in it so it's something we talked a lot about in the podcast like these stable coins will eventually have whitelist full kyc and i like how everyone's really surprised distributed yeah we've been talking about this for years literally um and trusted third I mean, parties or security holes people Get it through your heads. They can yeah. be pressured by governments. They will be pressured by governments. Yeah, so the news of USDC came out, which is Circle's um, 
uh, stablecoin that came out yesterday than today. Apparently, Tether is blacklisting list too. It's just news to me. Um, I thought Tether Tether was pretty based, but they blacklisted 5.5 million in Tether this year alone. And the entity that is pointing this out is called Center. It's basically run by uh, Coinbase and Circle too. So no, so Coinbase and Circle. Center is the foundation that runs USDC. Right, so they're the ones who blacklisted the USDC stuff, and I, I yeah, it's like a consortium of Circle, Coinbase, yeah. and a couple others. Right? But Tether yeah. is like Bitfinex, the same people who own Bitfinex own Tether, and yes, they've been blacklisting for the last this year. They blacklisted five point five million dollars worth of Tether. Um, look, this is where censorship resistance comes in, right? And the reason Tether's been this popular to begin with is because they've been skirting U.S. laws and other laws around the world. Uh, So it should be interesting to see how this holds up, if they can still maintain their popularity, if they are blacklisting so much. Um, This still is a drop in the bucket compared to the total USDT. But, you know, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time where either they're going to blacklist your coins or... uh, the whole thing just implodes in itself, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, you get death by many ways. Pick your pick your route with these stable coins. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, DAI is marketed as um, a trustless stable coin, but obviously the Maker Foundation has a lot of um, power over the Maker DAO, which distributes DAI, from what I understand. Um, so it'll be interesting if that... Um, maker dow entity gets pressured by uh authorities to to initiate s- similar blacklist and we know i'm pretty sure a16z holds a lot of or a very big portion of of makers so that's a centralized centralizing uh factor with that particularly yeah i mean Ma- maker is way more centralized than people realize uh and and it's got a bunch of other risks in terms of being super complicated in terms of their incentive model so that's another thing well, didn't it come out that there was like something like 300 million more die than uh in compound whatever that DeFi app is than the maker foundation was reporting or something like that well no i don't really understand it completely but compound is like no, derivatives and leverage and shit right so it's like die is completely like levered up in value. compound is my yeah. understanding. I mean, I I tweet, I tweeted this out, and I'm keeping updates on it. Uh, DeFi just looks like a huge expedited CDO bubble to me. I think you're just gonna what took uh, eight years for the credit, def- uh, excuse me, collateralized debt obligation market, cre- credit default swap markets as well, to collapse in the traditional financial system. I think we'll see something similar happen in the DeFi space um, in a in a much shorter time frame. Tweet stamps. Sats are my staple coin. Yeah. What, um, that's all we got. We can, we can riff here for a few minutes. What, uh, what's on the top of your mind? So, I love the Vandrew pod. Um, I was like kind of called out on my mass statements. Uh, so I, <laughs> and I'm a gambler. I'm a gambler, Marty. So I, I want to propose something to you at the end of this RHR. Um, I think people, 
Look, I, I will start off every statement because I wholeheartedly believe this, that mandatory masks are absolutely bullshit. Any kind of mandatory mask ordinances or, or rulings or orders, because uh, they aren't laws, um, they should be fought and they're complete bullshit. This idea, and I do agree that it reduces like the human element, right? Which you guys discussed on the podcast. The one thing I want to say here is that authoritarians and governments that want to oppress their people hate masks, okay? And we've had anti-mask laws on the books in most of the developed world for hundreds of years, okay? In, in New York, it's been illegal to wear a mask since the mid-1800s, okay? Practically illegal. When they decide to enforce it, they can enforce it. It's selective enforcement. They used it in Occupy Wall Street, uh, a lot of the laws in America are based around the Ku Klux Klan uh, when they were bigger in like the mid 1900s. Uh, some of them got struck down as unconstitutional because we do have a constitution in America. But if you look around, uh, Canada has anti-mask laws, Austria, Belgium, Denmark, France, Germany, Italy, Latvia, Netherlands, Norway, Russia, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, Ukraine, Great Britain, Hong Kong. These places, they don't like masks. So we should absolutely fight against mandatory mask laws. But I just wanted to, I thought, an an interesting actionable bet, because we had something similar. It wasn't a bet, but we were discussing it on the pod when we were not sure what the actual implications of corona was. And we said, what, 25,000 deaths in the U.S., right? Which is interesting to look back on, because it's a lot more than 25,000 deaths. Uh, in two years, I think masks, mask usage in New York City is going to be illegal again. Would you bet me that that won't be the case? No, I wouldn't. I don't. I, I don't. I think that would be the case, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So I think that we should absolutely fight back against this. But in terms of like devoting how much time we devote to it is like, there's, there's no grand conspiracy to get us all to wear masks like that. I, I, I don't think, I think they were very reluctant to have people wear masks to begin with. That's why they said they didn't fucking work or anything in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about the mask mandate cause particularly here yesterday, Governor Murphy mandated everybody wear a mask outside. Yeah, and our Canadian like, friends are saying because they just got the mandate. Yeah, but it doesn't make any sense. Like, just from my perspective, like, yeah, masks are good for privacy, but we should fight it back against the state snooping on us like that. It is an uphill battle, obviously, and that's why we Bitcoin and talk about privacy and how we can improve that a lot. But at the end of the day, we should fight to get our system to a place where we don't need to fight for this privacy as hard like it should just be a given but i agree given given the uh the circumstances that we currently find ourselves under that's not the case um yeah no i hope you didn't think that was calling you out we were literally talking about no i love when my name gets mentioned i stay humble matt you know but i i i i smiled when my name got mentioned but i i just wanted to like what i'm trying to say is like i I, I'm completely against the mandatory masks, right? 
And I, I, I don't think you, I don't think we should need masks you. to protect our privacy and protect our speech. And, but I, and I also think that it depends where you live, right? Like if you live in like, you know, rural America, like whatever, like you definitely do not need masks for any kind of privacy. Right. But in New York city, remember, think about our commutes in New York city, right? We were walking past, a thousand fifteen hundred cameras on on the way to anywhere we went, so you could have like the best privacy ever, and you were getting tracked all. You could get tracked all around the city. Maybe not yet. Maybe the facial recognition isn't there yet. It's there in China and stuff like that. Maybe it's a ten year thing or something like that. Um, but like, just as I think that mandatory masks shouldn't be a thing, I think illegal being it being illegal that you wear masks shouldn't be a thing and i know it's gonna be a fucking illegal again it's it's been illegal for so long and they're gonna go right back to it um so i do i i look forward to when they're illegal again so we don't have this controversy then when people just accept that it is obviously a privacy tool no it definitely is and i think people should be able to decide should be able to wear a mask if they want to exactly that's all i'm and saying that's that's the point yeah, i'm trying to get across I, I completely agree with that don't try to make me wear a mask absolutely though. not you don't have governor to wear a mask murphy. you can use tiktok if you want i'm not saying you i don't think we should ban tiktok I'm talking to governor murphy do you think we should ban tiktok i yeah it is a slippery slope i don't think we should I've ban been on TikTok. the side of yeah is it one of those things where you have to touch the stove hey you're you're downloading an app that's literally sending every keystroke and copy to your clipboard to the Chinese government servers. I mean, do you think China should ban... I don't think people should use TikTok, but I don't think we should ban it. Do you think China should ban Facebook? No, no. Do you think Facebook sending no. every keystroke to the NSA? Yeah, no, I agree. Probably, right? I'm on your side Definitely here. of the Chinese citizens. No, I said I, I, I was on the side of like, just get it out of here, but now it's like, eh, it's a slippery slope. Like, if people want to make that stupid decision of downloading that app. Uh, I have a buddy. I think we talked about it last week. I have a buddy who went viral on TikTok, right? Did we talk about this last week? And I meant to send you the link. Yes, I haven't you sent you the link yet. I'll send it to you after this, I promise. Uh, I, Don't send me malware. I convinced... No, one thing TikTok got right in terms of virality is that you can view the things through a browser, Right, which was smart. They don't make you sign in or anything. They might lock that down eventually, but that's like a smart virality play that just allows you to easily share it with people who don't have the app. But I convinced him to use a burner phone for it at least. Right? It's like slow, steady, actionable steps. Like you know, I'm not going to convince him to to give up his dopamine rush of his virality, but I convinced him to at least use a fucking burner phone for it. Well, thank God he has you. Thank God we have you, Matt. It's a scary world out there. Mask, TikTok, stable coins. Thank God we have Bitcoin. Thank God we have Matt Odell. I want to push back on that, but I'm just a dude. What? And I, I'm We're grateful for you. I'm grateful for all the freaks. And I also wanted to, uh, we shouldn't call them stable coins anymore. They're not stable coins, right? We, why are we using their yeah. vernacular? Unstable coins. Fiat pegged coins. How about that? That's kind of good. Peg coins. Let's just call them peg coins. Uh, And we should, uh, one of you freaks out there can 
can create this graphically designed inclined freaks uh peg coin it's just a coin with somebody getting pegged on it um and if you don't know what pegging is pierre rochard and i talked about it uh <laughs> on the first three-part uh, episode of tales from the crypt if you want to go back and listen to that <sighs> that was a good rip. Almost an hour and a half in. It was a great rip. Any, uh, I always enjoyed Freaks. Yeah. I'll um I'll add that link to Bolts to the list. And I got a call here in seven minutes, so I'll post this hopefully by 4.30 Eastern. If not, you freaks can make fun of me. Stay humble, sacks hats. Peace and love. Dee-dee!